mover. Pumping on the fat butt from Cuba. If the met the cow, jet the cow, I'm the loader. Monk on the hunt for machine gun funk. I get you open like a slug from a shotgun pump. Double barrel, yeah, man, bring it to him proper. Partner, you ain't got no wins in me, Casa. Straight up, you're moving too fast, so baby, wait up. Took one, had a seven mo, now you ate up. Get on down with your bass up. Get on down, listen to the sound. Come on, you can never get this ultimate legit. See you all up in my Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 444 Football. I'm 444 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my guy, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What's going on, TJ? Chris, what's good, man? Just uh, getting ready for this this home stretch of uh, fantasy football season. I've got a, a lot of slates this week with some Saturday games, so a little uh, extra prep going on this week. Yes, sir. We will start off the podcast by briefly touching on that Saturday slate. Then we'll get into our position by position picks for the main slate, and we'll wrap it up with the Primetime slate, break down that and get out of here, give you guys some bold calls as well for this weekend. So a lot to get to in this week 15 edition of DFS MVP. Before we get to that, just want to let you guys know that the song that played us in was I'll Be There For You, All I Need Remix. That's Method Man, Mary J. Boage off Method Man's album to Cal, which came out in 1994, it was actually the first Wu-Tang solo album after they released uh, 36 Chambers. So that's got some history behind it. Check it out. Method Man to Cal, 1994. The song is called I'll Be There For You slash All I Need Remix. And let's get right into this Saturday slate. We have two games. We have the Detroit Lions hosting the Chicago Bears. The Lions have an implied total of 2475 and the Bears have an implied total of 19.25. The Lions are five and a half point favorites at home. And then we have a good game for the nightcap. The LA Chargers traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. The Chargers actually opened as a one point underdog. But as we record this on Wednesday night, they are a one point favorite. So we saw the line jump a little bit in that one. And uh, TJ, I guess we'll start off just quickly, you know, which quarterback you're looking at as kind of the top overall play among these four? Quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we got two quarterbacks that uh, stand out. Actually, we got quarterbacks on either end uh, of the spectrum here. We have Matthew Stafford and Alex Smith against uh, two top five defenses in terms of schedule just to fantasy points allowed and then uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Philip Rivers against two bottom five defenses so at least in terms of matchup we have a huge gap uh, I think that pretty clearly makes Rivers the overall QB1 against Kansas City that ranks 31st in quarterback AFPA but uh, if you're trying to save some money on the slate and j- just playing the short slate I think Mitch Trubisky is actually a, a pretty interesting option yeah Trubisky is actually 37 of his last 47 attempts for 7.9 yards per attempts over his last two games. So has shown some life as far as efficiency. We'll see what he can do against the Detroit Lions. They have not been all that good in pass defense, ranked 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position themselves. At running back, you have Melvin Gordon, you have Kareem Hunt, you have Jordan Howard, and you have... Theo Riddick, who looks like he's going to start now and be treated as a starter, at least, for the Detroit Lions, uh, even though it looks like Amir Abdul may be back. Uh, anybody stand out amongst those group of running backs? Running back. Uh, I, I I think we definitely have to take note of the fact that uh, we've seen Kareem Hunt's touch share go up quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, some people might point to game script last week, but Kansas City lost two weeks ago to the Jets, and it was a high-scoring game. But uh, in that game, Hunt still saw nearly 90% of the backfield touches. So that's back-to-back weeks there. And I, I think uh, some of that just has to do with uh, Chiefs coming back to or, or turning playing call duties over to their offensive coordinator. Uh, Gordon's been pretty consistent in that like two thirds running back touch share. So I, I think probably 
that I, I like the uh, the Chargers. I'm sorry to to win this game. So in terms of a a game script, I think it might favor Gordon a little bit. Uh, and then Howard is just in a better matchup. Detroit ranks uh, bottom. 10 or bottom 12 in adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position. So even though that spreads a little bit wider, I actually like uh, Chicago's offense there quite a bit. So I think they're pretty close. I, I think I'm probably giving uh, Hunt the nod, even though he has a tougher matchup. He's just been getting a, a pretty big chunk of that workload and is a little bit safer than uh, Gordon or Howard, who might lose some uh, passing down work. Yeah, yeah, I think Kareem Hunt, the the new offensive coordinator, they mentioned that they want to spread it out for KC a little more to get him some more running lanes. So I think that'll be good for him, even if the game script kind of goes a little shaky. Theo Riddick, he, I mentioned him, he had 71% of Detroit's running back snaps last week and 10 carries, 10 targets, a couple of rushing touchdowns there. So, um, you know, only average 2.9 yards per carry after 2.3 the week before but if he's going to be treated as a starter given his price certainly have to take him into consideration as well wide receiver wide receiver we have keenan allen first and foremost he's been on a tear as of late 100 yards in four straight games six catches or more in four straight games so i think he's a top wide receiver option even with marcus peters returning from suspension for the Chiefs, but out of these other top wideouts, you have Golden Tate, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Marvin Jones. Uh, any of those three stand out in terms of, of being kind of that second best play on the slate? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that probably when you got the when you have a, a tough overall matchup like Detroit has, you do like that uh, slot player like Tate. So uh, he's probably the guy that I'm looking to. Uh, but one one player that I definitely want to mention on this slate is Kendall Wright. I mentioned Detroit's uh, defense has kind of struggled all around. Kendall Wright saw. 35% of Chicago's targets last week. So if you're going to be going with some uh, cheaper op- options like Trubisky, like we mentioned at quarterback, it might be a good idea to pair him with Kendall Wright. And then getting back to Keenan Allen, who you mentioned on the intro, I mean, it's it's pretty clear that he's been quite dominant lately, but uh, he actually has some room for upside. He ranks second in the league in red zone targets, but there's 32 players with more red zone uh, reception touchdowns than he has. So we, we're expecting a little bit of positive regression there. And and uh, the Chiefs are one of those teams that uh, that are 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 you you are able to attack uh, through the air. Obviously, ranked really low against both wide receivers and quarterbacks. So Keenan could have a huge game this week. Yeah, it's pretty much pretty much every week with him at this point nowadays. It seems like he uh, lost a, f- a couple pounds and was getting over some injuries as as the season progressed. So seems to be locked in right now. Also, want to mention. Uh, gold um, Marvin Jones excuse me I think he just with his uh, kind of command of the air yards in Detroit I know Golden Tate is a, a target monster but uh, Marvin Jones up at 36 percent of the team's air yards on the season no one else has more than 22 percent so I think Jones week in and week out he's going to be uh, a good tournament option Tyreek Hill probably has a tough matchup going against Casey Hayward and that Chargers secondary I think the way they're playing defense right now that they should be able to hold him somewhat in check. So I don't think it's a great matchup for him necessarily. Dontrell Inman for the Bears kind of disappeared off the face of the earth last game. So hard to trust him. Tyrell Williams, though, coming on for the charges a little bit if you need somebody in that low salary range. And then at tight end, we have Travis Kelsey. He's obviously going to be the highest upside play at tight end going against the Chargers who started off the season playing tight ends really well. But as of right now, they have fallen to 14th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position. So kind of a middling matchup. You got Hunter Henry in there. He has uh, four catches and five targets or more in his last three games. So, you know, every time we think he's starting to be consistent, he kind of disappears off the face of the earth, but has shown some consistency over the past three games. So that, that's somebody to watch there. I think uh, Adam Shaheen is an interesting 
tight tight end to watch against the Chicago. I mean, against the Detroit Lions. Shaheen's a rookie, about six 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 seven, and the Lions are thirty first in schedule adjusted fancy points allowed to the tight end position. Tight end. TJ, are you feeling Eric Ebron at all this week? He came out of nowhere kind of with 11, 10 catches and 11 targets last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I like uh, targeting someone like Ebron on on this short slate. Uh, Detroit has the third highest neutral pass rate over the last six weeks. And uh, as I mentioned, they're, they're going to have some tough perimeter matchups. And with Ebron coming on a little bit uh, on a slate where, I mean, after uh, Hunter Henry, there's not somebody that you, you feel like you uh, have to force in besides if you can't afford uh, Travis Kelsey. So I like Ebron and Hunter Henry kind of evenly. Uh, John Paulson tweeted out that Hunter Henry is actually the number three tight end over the last three weeks uh, with 20 targets in that span. So uh, probably give Henry a little bit of a nod there. But uh, if you are if you are rolling out Stafford and tough matchup, kind of like contrarian tough matchup, I do like Ebron there. Yeah, um, definitely coming on in these last few games. Ebron. And at defense, I mean, we have the Lions. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite, as I mentioned. We have the Chargers probably playing the best defense out of these four teams. They've been at least in double digits in four of their last five games and had eight points against the Redskins last week at home. Then you have the Bears. They're an underdog, of course, and the Chiefs are an underdog at home. TJ, are the Lions the top defensive pick for you? due to the spread or do you like the team like the chargers more just because they've been playing really good defense as of late defense yeah chargers are going to get after the quarterback a little bit more top uh five adjusted sack rate in the league uh really good pass rushers on that on that front seven and then they've also uh forced the the second highest interception rate over the past six weeks so i think you just have more fantasy upside rolling out the chargers whereas detroit they're favored but they uh they're not a good unit in terms of real football. And then Chicago is just not going to give you a, a ton of defensive fantasy scoring opportunities. They're going to try to run the ball more and just generally play a little bit of a slower pace. Uh, and we know the chiefs, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, they're going to try to spread it out a few more passes. And if, if the chargers can get after Alex Smith, uh, that can obviously turn into a lot of fantasy points. Yeah. Alex Smith will, take some sacks conservative with the football. So I think that sets up well for the Chargers to at least get some sacks, if not some interceptions. And they've been playing really good defense, as we've mentioned. So, um, yeah, I think I would roll with the Chargers as well. So that should do it for the Saturday slate. I know we ran through it kind of quick, but just wanted to touch on a lot of the key players at each position in that slate for you guys playing the Saturday slate. But now we'll get into – the main slate and TJ, why don't you start us off at quarterback? Yeah, my uh, top quarterback play this week is Cam Newton. He's seventy nine hundred on FanDuel, sixty four hundred dollars on uh, DraftKings, and they are facing the Packers, who have been a pretty obvious target for uh, any pass catchers or quarterbacks this year. Cam Newton comes in as a, a top two value on both sites on uh, four for four. He's the top overall projected uh, DraftKings value on the main slate. Green Bay, when we adjust for strength of schedule, they rank uh, 29th versus quarterbacks this year. They're they're allowing the seventh most passing yards. Uh, they're going to be down a, a couple DBs and already a, a bad secondary. So they're they got they're going to have backups and already bad secondary. They've allowed nine passing touchdowns over the past three games, including a three touchdown game to Deshaun Kaiser last week. Uh, this game is. Expected to be pretty high scoring. That number went up with the uh, announcement that Aaron Rodgers looks like he's going to play. So now we're looking at a, a 47 point over under with Carolina favored by two or two and a half, depending where you look. So uh, it's definitely shootout potential here with uh, Aaron Rodgers back in the mix, even though Carolina's defense is really good. And then, uh, of course, on top of that, you get Cam Newton's rushing. I mean, we usually say rushing floor, but man, he has a, a ceiling with his rushing lately. Um, at least 40 yards and seven of his last eight. Eight games, including games of 71, 86, 95, and 70 yards. So, I mean, half the time he's spotting you almost two touchdowns, two passing touchdowns on the ground in terms of fantasy points. And uh, Cam really hasn't had 
uh, reliable red zone target, uh, at least since Kelvin Benjamin left outside of Devin Funches. Uh, looks like Greg Olson's back at full strength. He played 93% of the snaps last week, didn't catch a ball, but we know he's pretty much been Cam's primary red zone target when he's been active, so that could give Cam some added touchdown upside as well. Yeah, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers coming back, as you mentioned, really does help the kind of the shootout potential of that game and increases Cam Newton's value even more. And Dom Capers' defensive scheme in Green Bay has historically been vulnerable to running quarterbacks. Russell, Russell Wilson, excuse me, had 40 yards on only two carries in week one against the Packers. And Dak Prescott also had four carries for 37 yards and a touchdown in week five against Green Bay. So Cam Newton probably will put up some rushing production once again. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson, and I don't really think that's a hard choice. 7,300 on DraftKings, 8,400 on FanDuel. Wilson has been responsible for 82% of Seattle's offensive yardage this season, and even more ridiculous, 32 of their 33 offensive touchdowns on the season. Wilson hasn't been under 19 fantasy points on either site since the team's week five bye. The Rams, they are fifth in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, but Wilson, and I talked about this in Raybon's review this week, he's pretty much proven himself matchup proof at this point. 24 or more fantasy points in back-to-back weeks against the Philadelphia Eagles, who rank sixth in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to QBs, and then the Jaguars, who rank first. So, you know, Wilson has three touchdowns in four straight games, rushing plus passing, and then he's had multiple touchdowns in eight straight games. So just another QB with a ridiculously high floor and ceiling combination on four for four, we do probability of hitting cash game value and tournament value. And Wilson leads all quarterbacks in both metrics by over five percentage points on both sites. So Russell Wilson pretty clearly, I think, looks like the top play as he has been pretty much the entire season after the the, the first quarter of the season um, against the Rams at home and what should be a really good game with some playoff implications. Yeah, and uh, both of those offenses – uh, rank top seven in terms of neutral pace so a uh, fast-paced game already expected to be pretty high scoring could see some fireworks there uh, moving on to running back uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, jam in Le'Veon Bell and, and Antonio Brown if possible so I'm going to be looking for some price saving op- options uh, elsewhere and Kenyon Drake is Probably the one that stands out the most this week. $6,500 on FanDuel, uh, $5,800 on DraftKings at Buffalo. Uh, like I mentioned, that just kind of helps us get to whoever our more expensive plays might be this week. And over the last three weeks, he's one of four players to account uh, for at least 50% of his team's touches at least twice. Now, I know some of that comes from a positive game script in the last two games, but uh, last week he did most of his damage in the first half against New England. And this week he faces a, a Buffalo defense that ranks last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. Um, but they're, they're top 10 uh, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks and wide receivers. So just one of those funnel defenses we like to talk about uh, in favor of the running back. These bills have allowed the most rushing yards and the most total touchdowns to opposing backs. So even if Drake doesn't get that great game script that he's seen the last couple of weeks, still a really good spot for him. Yeah, even if he doesn't get the game script that Frank Gore had when he just <laughs> essentially ran every play and was probably the most entertaining 8-7 to seven or whatever, 13-7 game I've ever seen in my life. Um, but, nah, Drake was – I thought on that Monday night game, Drake was the best player on the field, yeah. which is pretty hard to to do when you're playing against Tom Brady and Brandon Cooks and all those guys. But Drake's been really emerging. You could kind of see why Adam Gase felt okay with – trading Jay Ajayi. Ajayi's been really good in Philadelphia as well, so that looks like a win-win, but I agree. I think Drake is is a, is a player that you have to keep riding just based on how well he's playing. I don't think even if Damian Williams comes back that Damian Williams is going to factor in majorly after the way Drake's played these last few weeks. Uh, I got Leonard Fournette at running back, 7,500 
on DraftKings, 8K on FanDuel. The Jaguars are 10.5-point home favorites as of this recording against the Houston Texans. Houston ranks 18th in schedule-adjusted fancy points allowed to running back, so it's a slightly above-average matchup for Fournette. And the key with him at is over these last two weeks, seems like he's gotten over his ankle injury. I know he popped up on an injury report Wednesday, but I think that's more of a maintenance-type situation because it's not his ankle. But these last two weeks, 20 carries, four targets, two weeks ago on 79% of the snaps. And then last week, 24 carries and six targets on 76% of the snaps. Uh, The previous few games, he was only playing between about 45 and 65% of the snaps. So he kind of has gotten a bump up as he's presumably gotten healthier. And now he's in the ideal spot, home favorite, um, you know, big, big, big spread and you know getting the workload getting three quarters of the snap so I think this will be another spot for him to probably score a touchdown and good chance of getting over 100 yards as well yeah if you're not going all the way up to uh Le'Veon I think Fournette's definitely the play there the the RB2 to go after on this slate um one offense that I I really want uh some exposure to is the Saints and I, I debated between uh Cam Newton and Drew Brees quite a bit uh, before this podcast, but uh, if I'm if I'm not going to go Drew Brees, I definitely want some Michael Thomas at wide receiver. I picked him for my Fanduel wide receiver, but he's really just a really great option on both sites. Uh, Eighty one hundred dollars versus the Jets. The Saints have the highest implied point total of the week uh, at a, a little bit over thirty one, I think. Uh, so I definitely want to get uh, some offense in some form. New York Jets rank thirty second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks and twenty eighth versus receivers, but they're first versus running backs. Now, I, I think probably the way this Saints offense is rolling with uh, Kamara back, you could probably take that with a, a little bit of grain of salt. Saints are probably going to do their thing, but uh, it is worth noting that the Jets do funnel offense through the air. And uh, Thomas has been quite consistent of late. One of three receivers with at least 25% target share in every game over the last six weeks. And New England has the uh, second highest passing rate in neutral game script in that span with uh, a 65% pass rate in three of their last four games. So they have been slanting towards the pass a little bit more, which we didn't see much from them early in the season. And uh, Thomas has really been uh, their go-to guy. Over on DraftKings, Uh, Jamison Crowder comes in as a a top four value. He's priced as the wide receiver 20 at 5,600 versus the Cardinals. He's averaging 9.2 targets per game uh, since week eight. That ranks 11th among all players in that time span. He is their go-to red zone target. And Arizona is an interesting defense uh, for the spot. They're they're a tight end funnel. Uh, They're they're 19th versus tight ends, but third versus wide receivers. But uh, Crowder lines up in the slot. So that that matchup still could kind of favor him because uh, Arizona is really good on the outside. Jamison Crowder will avoid Patrick Peterson, and that should just lead to a, a concentrated offense in terms of targets uh, to Crowder and Davis. Not not many other options with uh, those good Arizona perimeter quarters. So I really like Crowder on DraftKings this week. Yeah, Washington's just running out of people to throw the ball to. They're another one of their passing down backs. Byron Marshall went on an injured reserve this week. So I think it's there's just not really many other options to go but Crowder. I got Devin Funches on DraftKings 6,600. He is, has the highest probability uh, of hitting cash game value in our model over at 4 for 4 besides Antonio Brown and the aforementioned Michael Thomas. So he's in a good spot this week. The Green Bay Packers rank dead last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. Funches has scored at least 13 DraftKings points in all five games since Kelvin Benjamin was traded to the Buffalo Bills. And Funches is one of 12 players with at least a 40% market share of his team's air yards since week nine. That's per airyards.com. So Devin Funches in a good spot. You already mentioned Cam Newton. And I think, you know, Funches, whether, you know, whatever Greg Olson's doing, I don't think that's really going to affect Funches because there's just not that many um, options in that Carolina passing game, very concentrated between Funches, Olson, and McCaffrey. And then over on FanDuel, D.D. Westbrook's 
hundred in his four games since coming off the injured reserve. He has a 36 to 27% advantage over Marquise Lee in air yard market share and a 26 to 21% advantage in target market share over Lee. Westbrook has eight targets, at least eight targets and uh, at least five catches in each of his past three games. And the Texans are a great matchup. They rank 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. Dede Westbrook, somebody I've been talking about on this podcast since he kind of came off IR, somebody I was talking about in preseason as well. I think this guy is a really talented player, fell in the draft due to some off-the-field concerns, but I don't think his recent production is a fluke. And I think even once Alan Hearns comes back, I think Westbrook is still going to be a featured player in this offense as they try to make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I like that that Westbrook call a lot. His market share has just been been steadily ascending. So uh, like we're always talking about, going after uh, that volume and, and catching on to it while the price is still low is, is prime DFS uh, real estate. Going on to tight end, uh, I, I mentioned briefly that I if I'm paying up for a, a position or players, I kind of want it to be uh, the Steelers' big two. So because of that, I, I probably won't have Gronk a lot, especially in cash lineups. Gronk is our our top projected uh, tight end on both sides, but uh, after him, it's it's kind of ugly. All, a lot of studs and some some questionable spots, save maybe one or two, and then the middle tiers is a little bit vacant. So I like the idea of going all the way down to Charles Clay, fifty three hundred on Fanduel, three thousand on draft. Kings. Uh, he led the entire offense in snaps last week, played 87% of the Bills snaps after playing no more than 66% in the previous four games after coming back from that injury. Um, that game was a little weird. I think they only passed the ball the Bills nine or ten times. Obviously, the snow with Nathan Peterman under center and then Peterman getting hurt uh, just kind of threw some of those numbers out of whack. But uh, take it for what it's worth that Clay did see 33% uh, of the Bills targets this week. And now he's going to get Tyrod Taylor back. And and before Clay's injury, Tyrod Taylor was throwing Clay about 30% of the team's targets. So it wouldn't be a surprise for uh, last week to be a little bit of sign of things to come in terms of target share. They're facing a, a Miami defense that bleeds points to tight ends, 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position that's their lowest ranking uh, versus any position, and they've allowed the highest red zone touchdown rate uh, through the air this year, them being the, the Dolphins. So uh, a lot of opportunity here for Clay. Like, like I said, if I'm not going to Gronk, I, I do like the idea of punting tight end something. We actually haven't had a chance to do that much this year just because tight end's been just a few good players and a lot of really bad players, but I, I think you could get away punting Clay this week. Yeah, it's an interesting week at tight end. There's Gronk, and then it's tough kind of in that middle tier, and then there's not as many, not really many options in that lower tier as well. But it looks like the weather will cooperate for the most part in Buffalo this weekend. As we record, there's only a 20% chance of precipitation and only seven mile per hour winds. So it should be a different kind of game than it was last week when the Bills played the Indianapolis Colts. For my kicker, I will go with Robbie Gold. He is 4500 the minimum price on FanDuel. The 49ers are a home favorite. Gold is averaging 9.8 points per game on the season, which is a good return, especially at minimum price. The Tennessee Titans have given up the third most schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to kickers on the season. And Robbie Gold has scored 15 or more FanDuel points in both of Jimmy Garoppolo's starts. And I don't know if this is just random variance or not, but also noteworthy, Gold has scored double-digit points in six of eight non-CJ Beathard starts. And he he didn't score double digits in any of Beathard's five starts. So um, I'm not sure, again, if that's just random variance or what, but Gold with Garoppolo... It has a lot more upside just because the 49ers have been able to move the ball up and down the field. Garoppolo has been very accurate for the most part with his passes, and he's able to kind of stand in there to the last second and find the open man and keep that ball movement 
So I think as a home favorite against a team that's given up a ton of points to kickers as well, I think you're good with going with Robbie Gold at minimum price this week. Before we uh, move on to my defense, you want to give them your uh, tight end, which we actually skipped over? Oh, I, oh man. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry. See, Delaney Walker has just been so consistent that I feel like I don't even need to mention him <laughs> on this podcast, but... My fault, Delaney Walker. Um, yeah, fifty two hundred on DraftKings, sixty five hundred on FanDuel, sixty or more yards in eight of thirteen games this season, including six of the last seven. He's got five or more catches in six of the last seven games. Second in target market share among tight ends at twenty three percent. San Francisco's another team started off the year having a lot of success against tight ends, but we talked about this on the pod as well. Their safety Jaquiski Tart went down a few weeks ago and now they're falling to a middling matchup 16th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position so I think Delaney Walker is kind of that one guy in the middle tier that you could count on to give you a decent amount of targets a decent amount of catches and then it's just a matter of him hopefully getting into the end zone yeah other than than Travis Kelsey uh uh, Walker has the the highest target share among tight ends over the last six weeks. Like you mentioned, San Francisco's struggled a bit without Tart on the season. Now they uh, have allowed the second highest touchdown rate through the air inside the red zone. So that could give uh, Walker a little bit of a ceiling value in a game that, uh, at least on paper, looks to be low scoring. Uh, if le- moving on to my defense, uh, Jaguars fifty nine hundred on Fanduel, fifty five hundred on DraftKings. They're they're very expensive, but if you can get to them, uh, they're in a, a really good spot here as eleven point home favorites versus TJ Yates, who uh, for his career has a three point one interception rate. Anything below, I mean, above three is astronomical and Jacksonville has uh, forced an interception rate pretty much right on par with uh, the Chargers over the last six weeks who who I mentioned as a good defense to target and Jacksonville top two in adjusted sack rate Houston bottom six and adjusted sack rate allowed so like I said Jaguars are expensive but if, if you could get to them they're in a really great spot oh yeah they are just playing out of the the world this world defense picked off Russell Wilson three times last week. Mm-hmm. So great spot for the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans this week. Let's get into the primetime slate. We have a couple games. The Dallas Cowboys visiting the Oakland Raiders. Cowboys are three-point favorites. Implied total is 24.5 to 21.5 for the Raiders. And then we have the Atlanta Falcons going to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. Falcons are six-point favorites. The implied total there is Atlanta 27 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 21 note there is unique pricing for this slate on FanDuel but not on DraftKings now at the quarterback position you know we have Dak Prescott going against this Oakland defense that struggles to get interceptions we have Matt Ryan as well and then we have you know Derek Carr and Jameis Winston probably a notch down who do you like out of those quarterbacks yeah, the the reason I liked Dak last week was because he was going against a, a Giants defense that just really struggled all around. So it wasn't like there was a, a certain weak spot to his attack, just bottom 10 in, uh, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position. Uh, now Dak gets a Oakland defense that's 20th or worse in adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position. So I like Dak just because they aren't necessarily just going to turn around and hand it to Alf Morris. They're going to get Rod Smith involved a lot in the passing game uh, out of the backfield. So that's going to uh, boost Dak's usage a little bit, even though uh, Dallas is still a, a run heavy team. Uh, it's not that much more than Atlanta for comparing Dak to um, Matt Ryan. The The Falcons are, are pretty much down the middle too in, in terms of their uh, passing and running splits. It's actually been trending towards the rush a little bit in the past few weeks. So yeah, uh, Dak's probably the quarterback I'm looking to get the most exposure to on this slate. Yeah, and Matt Ryan's interesting because he's going to be on the road in Tampa. Tampa Bay, when they're at home, they've allowed only 16.7 points per game compared to 30.3 points per game on the road. So not sure if that's noise or what. Um, I know it's there's obviously a home field advantage 
in all of these professional sports that we talk about here. So something to keep in mind there. And then Jameis Winston's kind of been a little bit uneven, just kind of a lost season for the the Bucks. And Derek Carr, you know, if he's not, if Amari Cooper's not in the lineup, we don't know if he's going to play yet, but if he's not in the lineup, it becomes a lot tougher for him to just put up a monster game. He's another one that's kind of had a uh, somewhat of a, a lost season this year. And, it's going to be tougher with the Dallas defense getting a little healthier as well. I saw their cornerback, uh, Chidobe Awujie, playing some really good football out there. So kind of a tough matchup for the the underdog quarterbacks. I think I tend toward Dak as the, the number one there. As far as running back, we have Tevin Coleman in the concussion protocol. So Devontae Freeman has a chance to be the lead back for the Falcons, though the game is on Monday night, so Coleman could conceivably get cleared before that. He's just not cleared as we record this on Wednesday night, so be sure to monitor that. But then we have on the other side of the ball, Doug Martin. He had 13 carries plus targets on only 19 snaps last week, but he himself admitted he probably got benched after he fumbled, so he had only a 27 percent snap rate last week so that backfield is kind of a mess there Marshawn Lynch probably going to be game script dependent he has 26 carries two games ago uh, three games ago excuse me 17 carries two games ago and then down to seven carries in a loss to the Chiefs last week after two wins so Lynch probably just you know even though he scored touchdowns in three straight games probably a game script dependent option and then as you mentioned tj you got alfred morris 27 touches two weeks ago on 52 percent of the snaps 22 touches last week on 53 percent of the snaps rod smith 40 percent of the snaps and 10 touches two weeks ago and then he was up to 46 percent of the snaps last week and touched the ball 11 times so what's your strategy with these running backs tj you know assuming that you know, I guess outside of the Atlanta situation, but, you know, with all these other backs outside of the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess you just kind of have to, if you're building lineups now, you have to move forward assuming Coleman will be out, which would make Freeman the top play. Uh, I'm not interested in anyone on Oakland besides Crabtree, assuming Amari Cooper's out. Uh, that includes Lynch. I mean, Dallas, if we look at their season-long numbers on paper, they're they're – uh, mediocre to bad against uh, quite a few positions, but this is just a different defense with Sean Lee. And for that reason, I don't really want much to do with Jared Cook or Marshawn Lynch for that matter. I think probably the way to go is, and I, I tend towards Alfred Morris in this spot because he is still seeing a, a bigger touch share. Uh, like you mentioned, 51% and 43%. And I think this, uh, could be a good game script spot for him. But if you're, if you're trying to, to win these bigger tournaments, even though Rod Smith only saw, uh, five targets and, and didn't see a huge snap share, uh, we saw this earlier in the year with players like Chris Thompson, that, that ceiling play is probably what you want in big tournament lineups. And if you're playing these short slates, uh, Rod Smith is is probably going to be the one that I, I want to slant to, even though Alpha's probably safer. And Tampa just isn't a team that's been able to get anything going on the ground this year, really, no matter who's been back there. And now with Peyton Barber and, and Doug Martin, it's kind of a, a coin flip at this point. So I think I'm I'm jamming in Freeman, assuming Coleman's out, and then rotating my uh, Cowboy shares a little bit. Yeah, it's these in these large field tournaments especially on DraftKings on the small slates you kind of have to consider all of the options just because you can you can fit three running backs so mm-hmm. if somebody does I guess score a touchdown really is what it comes down to um, you probably need them in your lineup but I agree I think I think it's the, the Tampa Bay is the is the one where it's really tough to get behind um you know Marshawn Lynch I mean you know we we, we could see him break a big one He's he's been running well but it's just been really tough uh, for him game script wise in games where Oakland gets down. So that's kind of a, a risk there. You know, maybe you want to you know, kind of put Lynch in lineups where you're kind of thinking, okay, this is a game where Oakland pulls the upset and kind of build a lineup around that thought process. But um, it's, it's going to be tough. And if Coleman is back, I think, I think he becomes a, a good play because I think people sometimes when they build lineups, 
if he doesn't get cleared till late in the week, um, he might not be as, as many lineups as he would otherwise um, deserve to be in. So I think that's an interesting uh, kind of game theory play there. Moving on to wide receiver, we have Julio Jones. He's in a smash spot against Tampa Bay. They rank 31st in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. But this is the second you know, meeting in a divisional matchup. So, TJ, you have any concern that – because I know we've seen this plenty of times where when a guy goes off in the first matchup, he, he has a quieter game in the second matchup. Um, just because the defense is kind of selling out to slow him down. Do you think that could happen with Julio? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a possibility. Tampa Bay saw him go for 253 and two just a couple of weeks ago. You have to think that they're going to come into it saying they're, they're not going to lose like that again. Now, I don't know if they necessarily have the, the manpower, uh, to slow that down if, if Atlanta really wants to go that way, but, uh, they are playing outside of the dome. Uh, the, there, there is ways to fade Julio and and get to someone like like Dez Crabtree um, on this slate. If you if you slant towards those other two expensive wide receivers, I think it could be a a really good game theory play because everybody is going to be looking at Julio in that really good matchup and and going after someone like his his teammate uh, Mohamed Sanu, who seems twenty six percent of their targets in, in two of the last three. Um, he and Tula, he and Julio have actually combined for seventy percent of targets in those two games that Sanu saw twenty six percent. So. Uh, really concentrated passing attack, and that could be even more so with Coleman out. So I, th- I think in the spots where I am rostering Julio, obviously I'm not going to completely fade him. It might be a good idea to go with some really big game stacks or a team stacks, uh, just because him and Sonor seen uh, so many of the targets in the past few weeks, and then Freeman's going to obviously see most of the, the running back work. I think there's a, a way to build around Julio, but uh, as standalone value, he's going to be really highly owned. Um, I Again, it's not a player I'm going to completely fade, but yeah, I, I don't think you can just uh, count on that 250-yard game, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I, that's kind of what I was getting at. I think it'll be you know, not exactly the same story as it was. You know, We have Mike Evans here. He's kind of struggling two receptions in each of his last two games. I think Des Bryant, great matchup for him. Oakland 27th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Two wide receivers, and of course, Crabtree. He will probably be a target monster if Amari Cooper does not play. He had 13 targets last week, seven catches, 60 yards. Do you think Dez is the top play besides Julio, uh, clearly, or you feeling Crabtree too if Cooper doesn't go? No, I think I have Crabtree pretty firmly behind Dez and Julio. I mean, Dez is going to get that massive target share that just nobody on this uh, slate's going to see. Uh, but but as I mentioned, uh, if if Amari's out, then I, Crabtree's kind of the only play that I'm really looking to. He saw 32% of the target share last week. I'm thinking this probably sets up in a spot where Oakland has to throw a lot, which is why I don't like Lynch, like I mentioned before. But uh, Oakland's Oakland's offense just kind of not hitting uh, like we expect them to. So uh, yeah, Crabtree's going to get that that target share volume. I just don't know how much that translates into uh, fantasy points. If I'm going after a secondary receiver, actually uh, probably like someone like Terrence Williams, who's seen 20% of Dallas's targets uh, over the last six weeks. He's been uh, kind of jumped Jason Witten as that number two target in this offense. And as I mentioned, Dallas just kind of has an easy all-around matchup. So if I'm going to go uh, for a secondary player, I want somebody like uh, Williams or Sanu, who I already mentioned, who's going to see a, a big target share against a secondary that really struggles. Yeah, and somebody else to keep in mind is Deshaun Jackson. He's mm-hmm. kind of been quiet, but in terms of those air yards, which are always what we're looking for just because they can change things in, in a hurry on these on these small slates. And, you know, Jackson still near the top of the league in that metric. He is uh, sixth in air yards on a season per airyards.com with four. 1845 air yards. So um, that's another player to kind of keep in mind. He's always going to be a threat to just take one over the top deep. But besides that, I mean, you already kind of hit on it. You have Terrence Williams, and then it kind of gets ugly after that. I mean, you have a bunch of you know guys who haven't been doing too much. Adam Humphreys, Taylor Gabriel, 
uh, Seth Roberts, Cordero Patterson, guys like that. Though Patterson did see six targets last week, probably will be somewhat involved if Amari Cooper is out as will uh, as will Seth Roberts. But it, it's kind of tough after those those first few guys. I do like those mid range plays, the Muhammad Sanu's, the and even in the Dez's and the and the Deshaun's. At tight end, we have Jared Cook. He's on an injury report right now with wrist as we record this. I think he'll be okay. It's probably just a maintenance day. We get a lot of those on Wednesday going against this uh, Dallas team that, you know, they can they can cover tight ends decently. They have Byron Jones. They rank 11th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Also have... Jason Witten, who TJ, as you mentioned, has kind of been a little bit left out. He has only one catch in three of the last four games. And uh, the other game within in there, he had seven. He, had, he actually has one catch in four of the last six games. And in the other two games, he has seven catches. So I guess that kind of makes him a, a tournament play because you're either getting a, a lot or you're getting nothing. So I guess you have to consider him in tournaments. Oakland is ranked. 19th, 20th, excuse me, in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position. Uh, TJ, or is that do you, who do you, who you kind of like out of these tight ends? It's a bunch of pretty underwhelming options. I mean, you have Cameron Bray. He only had one target last week after we thought he might be back in business with Jameis Winston back at quarterback. We have Austin Hooper, who essentially is between two and five targets every week on about two thirds of the snaps. Yeah, I think probably it's just a toss-up between Witt and Hooper. Like you mentioned, you're not going to feel great about any of these plays, but uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay, we were thinking that with James Beck that it would it would go back to Brait um, in terms of, of target share and red zone share, but that just hasn't been the case. And like you mentioned, Witten is still going to see uh, quite a few red zone targets against the uh, Oakland defense that uh, just struggled. I, I don't want any of Cook against that defense with Sean Lee back. And I, Hooper, you're not going to get any uh, big counting numbers from him. He's not going to see a ton of targets or a big target share or anything, but just it's just a leverage play on these short plays where a lot of people People are going to be looking at Julio and probably Sanu. If Atlanta has a chance to score a lot of points through the air against a bad secondary, you should probably uh, just roster one of their starters on the short slate. Uh, so it's kind of between those two. And, and, and going back to Braid, I just wanted to mention one thing about that passing offense. If, if you are going to throw a dart at any of the Tampa Bay pass catchers, like you said, I, I think I do want it to be Deshaun. I mean, it, it was really telling last week when Detroit played Tampa Bay and they had, and everyone thought Darius Slay would be uh, shadowing Mike Evans. And I think he was only on him for like 11 snaps. So even opposing defenses are kind of easing up on the thought that Mike Evans is just going to come in and dominate them. Yeah, it's been, it's been quite an interesting season for Mike Evans. He doesn't have a hundred yard game yet. Um, you know, he's just kind of been there most weeks. He was getting pretty decent volume, just never really exploded. So, I mean, this week we'll probably see a bunch of Desmond Trufant and yeah, it's just, it's not a great matchup. I mean, he's obviously a solid contrarian play because I think he'll be the lowest owned among the top wide receivers on each team, but it's, yeah, there's nothing to really hang your hat on at this point. With Mike Evans, I think if you're looking for kind of a contrarian dart throw in GPPs, you could also just look at somebody like Jordan, um, excuse me, OJ Howard for mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, he, you know, the, the, the tight end matchup against the Falcons is always tough because they have fast linebackers, um, Deion Jones, uh, Devondre Campbell, and they have Keanu Neal, who's good at matching up against the tight end. So it's tough. But the one thing with Howard is they've schemed him some plays where he ends up just turning in some big plays. And that's kind of happened um, intermittently throughout the year. So in the large, large field tournament, given just the overall weakness of the position, which has been the case in most of these primetime slates as of late, I think you could do worse than throwing a dart with OJ Howard as well. How about these defenses, TJ? You got the Cowboys, again, three-point favorites, but they're on the road. You got the Falcons, six-point favorites, also on the road. And uh, and then you got the Raiders, and they haven't really been able to do anything on defense all year. And you got the Bucks, who have been, aside from a couple of games, pretty bad on defense as well. So 
who you're looking at this week. We had, we had a contrarian play kind of hit last week in Miami. They Miami ended up being, I think the top defense of that primetime slate last week against the Patriots, which nobody expected. So you think something like that could happen this week, or you think it's going to be one of the favorites? Yeah. I mean, if both Oakland and Tampa Bay have just been, been so bad all around, they haven't really shown too many flashes that I'm, I'm not going to try to guess which spot that happens. Plus you're not really getting a big price saving option, which I, I believe you were last week. If you went with someone like Miami, uh, this week, the difference between the, the bottom defense and the top defense is $400. Uh, so you're not getting a, a roster construction advantage. So, uh, probably I, I like the Falcons a little bit over the Cowboys just because, uh, the Buccaneers are, are kind of in shambles and we could, we could, we know that the Raiders can at least put some offense together, um, but it's really close for me. I, uh, Falcons with a slight edge, but uh, I'll be rotating them with the Cowboys relatively evenly, I think. Yeah, it's it's kind of a toss-up for me as well. The Cowboys average the the most points on defense. They've they've actually had uh, 19 and 8 uh, points in back-to-back games. I believe Sean Lee has been in both of those games, so mm-hmm. you can see the difference there. So yeah, I guess I'd probably give the edge maybe just a tiny bit to the Cowboys um, just because um, because of that, but it's it's pretty much a toss-up there. Um, let's get into some bold co- – oh, no, we got to do our lineup. We got to do our lineup. Last week's lineup uh, scored about, I think, 132 points. We had Nick Boyle in at tight end. That didn't work out uh, too well. Um, so let's try to see what we could do this week. And why don't you start us off, TJ? Yeah, I like Dak against the all-around bad Raiders defense. I think uh, we can get exposure to the Falcons other ways, so I think Dak's my favorite play. All right. I'm going to go with – I'll stack them with Des Bryant then, 6,500. Okay. I would like to uh, get the top running back on the slate. We've got some kind of expensive pricing here. Uh, Freeman sixty two hundred. I'm I'm gonna plug Freeman in because if I'm gonna have Dak, I'm gonna want to get uh, quite a bit of that Atlanta skill position players. Cool. All right. So now we got a fifty one fifty average remaining for a running back two wide receivers, tight end flex defense. I'm going to put Julio in here. Okay. I think we want him regardless. So now we're down to 44, 80 average remaining five players left. Um, the only player that uh, looks uh, relatively predictable on the other side of that Dallas Oakland game is Michael Crabtree. Uh, he is the highest priced receiver left, but uh, I think it looks like Amari is, is pretty sketchy to play. Crabtree is going to see a pretty big target share. I'll, I'll plug in crabs. All right. So we got Prescott Freeman, Bryant Jones, Crabtree. Let's go ahead and let's get this. Let's get the Cowboys defense in here. 2800 so that's now we got 4266 average remaining for a running back a tight end and a flex all right i'm i'm gonna go with the bit of the hail mary play and and again since uh since we have dak in there i want to get a lot of the skill position players from atlanta uh i'm gonna go with austin hooper at tight end all right so got hooper in there so now we got 48 100 remaining uh, average for two players. So let's go with – I'm going to go with uh, – let's get Alfred Morris in here. All right. Running back. So we got the Dak little Cowboys – Cowboys stack going on as well. Uh, so that's 3,900 for the final uh, flex play. So that's Seth Roberts, DeAndre Washington, Cordell Patterson, Jalen Richard, uh, Jaquiz Rogers, uh, Terrence Williams, Charles Sims, Teron Ward, Cole Beasley, Johnny Holton, Cameron Bray, Taylor Gabriel, a lot of, a lot of those guys. Um, so we, we got there. 
Yeah. Um, I think, let me see, how much is, yeah, the the one player that I mentioned about the, the secondary pass catchers uh, was Terrence Williams, uh, number two pass catcher there again, uh, Oakland defense that, that's pretty uh, shaky all around. So we could definitely see uh, if Dak puts up a big game like he did last week, we could see a lot of their pieces work. So uh, we got a bit of a, a couple team stacks here, but I think that's not the worst idea on these short slates. Terrence Williams fits in pretty nicely there. All right, so we got Dak, Devontae Freeman, Alfred Morris, Dez, Julio, Crabtree, Hooper, Terrence Williams, and the Cowboys. $300 left over out of the 50K cap. And yeah, we have all, we have a Dak, Morris, Bryant, Williams, Cowboys stack. And then we have a Freeman, Julio, Hooper, uh, Falcon stack. The only underdog we have is Crabtree. So yeah, that kind of sets up as just if if both of these teams kind of have blowouts and then maybe for Oakland, you know, Dallas, uh, Oakland is just kind of throwing at the end of that game, this this lineup could hit. So um, the only player we're really fading that that could that could play a major role in these stacks is probably Mohamed Sanu of the Falcons. So we're kind of banking on Julio outscoring Sanu and Hooper being one of those those secondary options. But I like it. I like it. So I'm going to go enter that in the uh, 625K Sunday Night Spectacular on DraftKings. And we'll see what goes down with that. So now let's get to our bold calls. And TJ, start us off with a game bold call. Game bold call. I'm going to say uh, Washington and Arizona goes over 50 points. Uh, only one game projected to go over 50, but uh, Washington's allowed 30 plus in four or five games. Both of these defenses strength is a secondary, uh, especially on the perimeter. Uh, but that's not really where, where either offense is going to try to win. We got Crowder, who I mentioned uh, as a slot receiver, Fitzgerald on the other slot as a slot receiver. Curran Williams has been uh, decent. Uh, Samaje P. Ryan has been seeing a, a huge uh, work share the last couple of weeks. So uh, these, these offenses, the way they attack is, is going to be against these defenses weaknesses. And I mean, the, the game's projected for 43. If it does go over, I think we've mentioned before it goes over by, I think the game total you said was 10 uh, on average. So I, I like this yeah. Washington Arizona game to be one of the sneaky shootouts. Yep. As I'm, yep. What TJ is talking about for you guys unfamiliar is uh, I did a study and just looked at what, by how many points does, uh, a over under or a implied total uh, go over or under by on average and it, it turns out that uh, the average over under is 10 points off from from what it is in the Vegas line and the average team implied total um, the average amount of points a team actually scores excuse me is seven points off from its implied total on average for a game bowl call I will go with the uh, Tennessee San Francisco game I'm going to say that's going to be the highest scoring game of the week. And I, I just think that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of adds a different dimension to that San Francisco offense. I think Marcus Mariota's kind of been down on himself. He said kind of blamed himself for, for some of the offensive struggles in Tennessee. I think he's going to come out and have a good game. And I, I think both of these defenses are not very good. And it's just one of those situations where you could see two bad defenses with two competent offenses end up getting in a shootout. So that's going with Tennessee, San Francisco, highest scoring game of the week. TJ, what about a player bold call? Player bold call. I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs outscores Adam Thielen this week. Uh, Thielen uh, popped up on the injury report today. Diggs has quietly seen a a 23% target share in two of Minnesota's last three games. Uh, Minnesota, could end up being without uh, Kyle Rudolph, which uh, could allow the Bengals to double Thielen if they decide to do that. And uh, as of now, Diggs looks like he is going to be lined up against uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, who I believe was out last week with a concussion, but prior to that had uh, been struggling quite a bit. So if Diggs gets one-on-one with Kirkpatrick, and then, uh, like I mentioned, if if the Bengals do decide to uh, double Thielen as their secondary has been struggling quite a bit, uh, combine that with the injury, and uh, Rudolph possibly out. I think Diggs could have a sneaky big game here. Yeah, Stephon Diggs has you know kind of been a little quiet lately, but I don't think that should 
get any body off of him, especially in tournament settings, because we know the kind of upset upside that Stefan Diggs has. He's kind of taken a back seat lately, but he can, he can kind of do that at, at any time for my bowl call. I'm going to go a little bit off the map. I'm going to say that Adam Shaheen, the rookie tight end for the Chicago bears will be a top three tight end for this whole week. I know he's on the Saturday slate, but Going against that Lions defense, 31st in schedule, Justin Fantasy points allowed to the tight end position. Um, Shaheen has a 80th percentile speed score, according to player profiler, 6'6", 278. And, you know, came on last week, four catches for 44 yards on five targets. I think he keeps that going. We've kind of seen these Chicago pass catchers be up and down. So I think Shaheen might come through with a big game uh, this week for the Bears. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Uh, Detroit last in, in yards per target and fantasy points per target to tight end. So really, really good call there. All right. And that will about wrap it up for the week 15, 2017 edition of DFS MVP. Hope that helped you guys out to work through and think through some of your plays on either the Saturday slate or the main slate or the primetime slate. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and also be sure to follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You can follow me, Chris Raybon on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Any last words, TJ? All I need is this shmoney. Let's get this shmoney. Check out the crowd, smoke down from the mouth. Other brothers got mad farms who shall follow it. Hey, and cut the square if you dare. Without a blow, the roar that I'm rare. I'm going to the country, I'm going to the fair. The see the senorita with flowers in her hair. And get mine, cause she loved me long time. Get in line for the MET, H O D, man. MET, H O D, man. MET, H O D, man. Here I am, here I am, the method man. Killer bees on the swarm, it ain't safe no more. PLO style, 1993 to 94, the rugged roar.